Welcome to ICA Podcast 9. The goal of ICA Podcast 9 is to provide insightful information about the industry to members and non-members of Intercoiffure America Canada, the voice for salon owners. Each week we'll bring business, educational and inspirational topics to aid anyone with ties to the beauty industry. We will have a revolving series of hosts pulling from industry leaders as hosts and guests to keep things lively and interesting and make you wonder what's coming next. Now, here's this week's edition of ICA Podcast 9. All right. My name is Roger Azagani, and I'm the founder of Ozcraft Luxury Hair Care. Been a hairdresser for 35 plus years, member of uh, Intercafure for the past five years as a uh, brand partner. And uh, I'm thrilled that uh, we get to do this interview and share this with the uh, Intercafure members. And uh, um, Sheila, thanks for the opportunity uh, to be able to bring Trevor to the audience. Uh, Trevor, thank you for taking the time uh, to do this. We're doing this in a couple segments, uh, uh, makes it easier for people to listen to and, and put this uh, together. Um, and where we left off in segment one, uh, we were talking about some of the uh, uh, people that you've mentored uh, along the way. Uh, Vivian McKender was one of your art directors. Antonin uh, Binders was one of your art directors. Sem uh, Michael, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, um, Angelo Seminari. I don't know why my, my brain went crazy there for a second. And, and Eugene <laughs> Salamito. So uh, these guys are, uh, uh, amongst others, uh, amazing. And you had said, you made a statement, you said that you just show them the light and they follow that light uh, with their own sense of creativity and, and such. But I, I, I gotta say that I, I don't think that they would have been able to, because what I was trying to say is that it was they learned, it's what they learned from you. I think it's your, which you talked about earlier, the discipline, the structure that you gave them and the leadership that you gave them, the standards that you set, uh, because again, standards are, are, are so important that people don't pay much attention to these days or don't give enough credit to, is you have this, the higher the standards, uh, the more, the better your life, the better your relationships, the more successful your business, uh, uh, everything. And I think the standards you set were phenomenal. And I, and, and, and I think that's what they probably got and I'm just, you know, speaking for myself, that's probably what they got from me, because I remember that's what I got from Scott. And I got what I got from another uh, mentor. My first mentor in the business was Gene Juarez. I got that from him as well. Um, and uh, uh, they taught me about standards and it stuck with me to this day. Um, and, I, and so going back to you, somewhere along the way, those standards got instilled into you. And you were at Sassoon's and we were just talking about that. Um, and... Uh, and you were talking about the kind of how, how that time was great for hairdressers. Uh, what were the standards at Sassoon's? And, and uh, you know, the, what position did you hold in the company? What were the standards? And, and do those standards that created the success of that company, and as we know it as Sassoon's, do they exist today? Uh, and if they do, where and, and why, why do you think the industry isn't, to me, it just doesn't seem to be, you know, the, uh, what it used to be in that sense. I mean, the work that you guys used to do was was so phenomenal and so beautiful. And, and there are a few, you still see it here and there, you know, a few people doing that kind of work. But as in the industry, it seems like the standards are no longer that. It's, and I'm wondering, is it because of the schooling or is it because of the the all these booth rentals that started coming into play? Or is it because of just the leadership that hasn't been there, that was there at one time? 
Well, let's go start, start from the Sassoon point of view, where you were at. Well, <clears throat> for me, um, when, for example, um, when I was working at Sassoon's, I never sat in the staff room only to eat my lunch. I never just hung out there. I would always just stand and watch these great hairdressers. Now, in life, the, you, you know the things you can do and you and you know for sure things that you can't do. For example, I could never jump out of an aeroplane with a parachute, never. I could never do a bungee jump. jump. I know that about me, I'm scared of heights. But when you watch somebody cutting hair, or in my case, when I was watching people like Roger Thompson, Christopher Brooker, Vidal himself, mm -hmm. I used to look and think, you know, that, that is not impossible for me that I if I work my butt off I want to be one of them but I, I'm and I felt it was a reachable goal yes I would have to work so hard to reach the, those standards but it was a it was a goal that excited me and I wanted to be one of those boys now over the years I think standards I mean <laughs> I've never changed anything about what I've done from day one to this day. Every, I have a, a, a set of rules. I have a, a way of doing things. I teach that. Um, I put people through their disciplines. I, at the end of them, I give them an exam, a test, a, a visual test where they have to present to me finished heads. Um, and everybody, even if a hairdresser has been with me 20, or not with me, but he's been hairdressing 25 years, he would come to me for a job and I'd say, okay, um, you have to do a test for me. He would have to do five commercial haircuts. And if he passes that test, he would then be, um, he would get a job, it, but the job wouldn't start right away. He would then have to be trained in our methods and our philosophy and our way of thinking. And at the end of that, he would have to do 10 heads of hair. And that uh, he'd have to do a hair up, hair up, he'd have to do avant garde, he'd have to do commercial, he'd have to do a geometric. There were set things, and if he passed that test, he could then work for me. And I don't care if that guy could have brought you know two thousand dollars worth of clients in or five thousand dollars worth of clients in, that would not give him an automatic entry to my salon he would have to earn it first and then if he makes then he could bring his clients in and i've set those rules to this day wow that's amazing so, I, I, and, go ahead sorry well um you know you, you mentioned something about vidal Sassoon. i'm going to be honest with you i mean Vidal is still my hero. I mean, the, the ultimate hero. He changed hairdressing to what we all do today. But I can see that they, they've stuck to the, their method. They won't use round brushes. They, you know, they still use the Denman brush and stuff. <laughs> and I think they haven't, they haven't moved forward enough. They're still stuck in their uh, traditional methods and I, I think they're 
lagging behind these days in just that's my personal opinion and many people may disagree with that but you know i look very closely at what they do and i i hope every time I, I, i'm going to look at a sassoon picture i want it to be what it used to be something that made me go wow i need to be wowed and they did that for decades yeah but i yes. don't the wow factor these days that's yeah, there, there was there was a there was a definite turning point uh, at Sassoon's where where the, you're right. There was for for decades there there be the work was just just out of this world wowing, and then there was a turning point. And that turning point, I don't know, uh, um, you know exactly where it was, but there was a turning point. Maybe in the in the in the uh, late '80s, '90s, something like that. I don't know, but it just yeah. it hasn't hasn't been the same since. Um, and you're right, uh, but it, it, they did at one point do that, and you were a part of that that revolution, and, and that's I think the standards they had back then. Because uh, I remember I, we talked to we did a thing with Christopher, and, and I think that there was a, uh, how passionate he seemed to be about those standards uh, mm -hmm. and what they used to do was, was phenomenal. Uh, just hearing that, and I think Vivian kind of talked to that too when we talked to Vivian uh, yeah. about that. Um, but while you were there, uh, I think this is this this is what everybody needs to hear that doesn't know you. While you were there, you did a haircut that really catapulted you onto onto the onto center stage globally, and 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 also changed the way we cut because it added to because right now everything is lines, graduation is layers, right? But I I, I think that the graduation part is that that third leg that you know i think it came from you right i mean from the cut you did which was the wedge uh if i'm not mistaken yeah um well in america uh, dorothy hamill the ice skater uh, had that haircut and that's what became very popular in america because of dorothy hamill um but yeah i, I did create that haircut and that all started um, one day. I was in the South Moulton Street Salon and uh, I had this house model. Well, firstly, Vidal was asked to do a show in Paris and it's the first time an Anglo-Saxon hairdresser was asked to do a show in Paris because the French think they're the greatest. And in many ways, from a hairdressing point of view, not haircutting, hairdressing point of view, I say they are the best. Anyway, uh, Vidal said, right, I was an art director at the time and he, they said come on we've got to go out there guns blazing we need you to cre create some new haircuts so this one day I had this house model whose name was Mary and I said look I want to do a really short haircut on you but leave it very long inside but cut it short on the outside and she said yeah all right and she was up for anything and uh, I did this haircut and it just looked a bit like a helmet because I didn't brush it back or anything. I just let it hang and it just looked like a bowl on her head. And I thought, oh, this, the French are gonna hate this. <laughs> and uh, and I, I was starting to hate it as well. And uh, I thought, well, I've got to try and salvage it. So I just brushed it back on both sides and this shape like a mushroom just popped out and it, it just looked like a V at the back and it just looked beautiful. And I said to Christopher, he was in the salon at the time, I said, Chris, come over here to have a look. And he went, love it. He said, absolutely love it. We're going to photograph that. And it was the first picture that ever got a double page spread in English Vogue, first hair picture. And um, yeah, we went to Paris 
And this Mary walked down the catwalk and they literally, the French uh, audience, they pulled her off the stage and they were looking at this hair and putting their hands through it and everything. Um, and yeah, that, uh, it, that, I kind of went a few steps up the ladder with that haircut. <laughs> I think more than, more, than, more than a few steps. I, I remember the first shot I, th I think I saw that was uh, maybe it was, that was the only one you, you published at the time was from behind, right? I went, went to a perfect point yeah. in the back and it was yeah. light on top and dark underneath. I mean, it was just like such yeah. an amazing picture. And I've always wondered, I, I have to ask, and I didn't ask Christopher this, I should have asked him uh, uh, when we were talking, about, but what, did you, were those pictures, when you guys did those, were they ever touched up or was that, that was, because there wasn't, there wasn't any, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, digital. You guys didn't have digital back then. So, uh, how were they ever touched up, or was that the the as you uh, shot it, um, the cut? So I was asking about I was asking about your cut that you you did the the wedge, and uh, uh, my curious curiosity was that when we when we saw those pictures as hairdressers, did you touch those pictures up, or was that the cut as it was, and you guys shot it that way? There was a little bit of retouching. Um, she, she had some spots in the, on the back of her neck and, and we retouched it. But the actual haircut was uh, not retouched. But here's, here's something that you don't know and you think you know, because you've already said it. it, it look, it's darker underneath, yeah? You said? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't. It, it was shot with a light on top and that was the underneath was in, in shadow. Wow, okay. But having said that, that's where the color, that's where the idea came for coloring it underneath. But the actual picture, it was all blonde, her hair. Wow. So it that, that, was that's the a, light that made it. Gave it the illusion. Okay, because I, I I'm, have said that, I've always seen that picture. Actually, I used <laughs> to have that picture on my wall uh, at the salon in Seattle. I used to have that picture. That was one of the pictures I had on the wall. And I've always loved that picture. And, and to hear that, that's amazing. That, that there was just an illusion, optical illusion. It was never colored like that. I always thought you guys colored yeah. underneath dark yeah. and light on top all this time. Best, best kept secret ever. <laughs> I love now. that. Thank you. <laughs> I love you for, for sharing that. Thank you. Um, so, and, and then one, one of the things that always intrigued me, and, and, and I, I never know, understood or why, or, but I'm, I'm sure it was a good reason because they were an amazing organization. And, and Anthony is another one of my uh, hair heroes. Uh, but you spent a short time at Tony and Guy. How did that happen? Before, was that, that's after, I'm assuming that's after Sassoon's and before you did your own yeah. brand? Yeah. Um, I, I left Sassoon's uh, after six years and uh, I was offered this job in Mexico. And I took the job, and uh, it didn't it got it didn't go well, put it that way. And I left the country, and I came back to England, and I needed a job. And uh, I went to Tony and Guy, and I said, "Any chance of a job?" And they just opened me with, with open arms. And Anthony Muscolo was my assistant in those in those days. And, oh, really? <laughs> uh, I was only. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. I didn't know that. But, That's another amazing person that you turned out. Well, he, as I said, yeah, I think he turned himself out. Yeah, because I saw, I saw a talent in him right away. 
uh, he had a feel for hair, he had a vision. He used to have a little drawing book and he would show me some of his sketches and I thought, yeah, you're, you're gonna go far, mate, you're gonna go far. Um, I was only there for six months and then I went to John Frieda. Um, oh, wow, where, okay. And, and that's where I, um, I invented scrunch drying. Um, and that, that came just, well, by chance and not by chance. It, John Frieda's clients were very ladies at lunch type <coughs> clients, not my type of client, but I want to add. But that was his sort of echelon. That, that was his uh, kind of upper class clientele and very demanding women. And one day this lady came in, she had thick red porous hair and John had a method of dealing with the hair. You had to learn his method. And he was into finger drying hair, dry, not using too much heat. And uh, this lady was, um, um, I had to dry her hair. She had a wave in her hair. And uh, it was going to take me forever to finger dry. And I said, look, do you mind if I speed the process up a little bit? So she kind of huffed and puffed and said, okay. And uh, I got the dry and I just got handfuls of hair in my hand, scrunched it into my hand and put the hairdryer into that scrunched up hair in my hand and let it cool down. And then I just roughed it up and out came this volume of curl that I thought, my God, if I'd stood there for a month, I'd never have got that was finger drying. And um, I, I thought there's something in this. And I tried it on like very fine hair that had no movement and took handfuls of hair, put the heat into it, held it until it cooled down and then brushed it out. And there was more movement in that there, their hair than if they'd, well, even if they'd used rollers almost. And that's basically how scrunch drying uh, was created, just by a simple get out of jail method. <laughs> Wow. So, uh, so you gave yeah. you gave us the graduation, which which is a foundation of, 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 of haircutting today. And you gave us scrunch dry. And I and I remember uh, uh, Scott again, I was I was uh, uh, young uh, with Scott. And when he first did scrunch and he was talking about scrunch dry, he was showing us, you know, how, to, how how he learned it and talking about you. Uh, and then what we did, though, what he he was doing at the time, he would take put beer in a spray bottle and he was sprayed on the hair. And then that's what he would use to help them scrunch the hair. I have no idea why beer, but it, it, it worked and, and given hair more texture and, and everything. But uh, uh, yeah, I remember that. I remember when you did that. I remember when that happened and the scrunching. I mean, and, and to this day, we scrunch hair, right? I mean, I don't know who came up with the diffuser, uh, but uh, whoever came up with the diffuser yeah. was after, after what you did. Well, I don't know. Is that something you came up with or that came up after? That, that came out. That came out right. of the scrunch. Yeah. That came after yeah. the script. That's but, amazing. Uh, nearly every woman in the world is sometimes sponge their hair. Dry. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Every I mean, yeah. think about it. it, it every everybody, I've sponged my hair. <laughs> I, don't know if I don't know if you're aware, but I invented uh, texturizing, and I'll tell you how that happened. Um, every, you see, I, 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 I always think opposites. Right, I always think opposites work up, down, in, out, black, white, you name, you name it, they, they're both positives. Anything in the middle is gray to me. 
And I was um, doing, I, I had this girl, she would let me do anything with her hair. And I thought, right, what's the opposite of a good haircut? A bad haircut. Right, let's right. do a bad haircut, but let's make it look beautiful at the same time. Like and instead <laughs> of, sort of in hair, just cutting the ends, I thought, I'm just going to cut into it. I mean, right. with feeling, you know, you have to use your, 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 yeah, insides when you do some because you 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 you're ripping into hair like you've never been taught, and to cut channels into hair, take bits out here and there, and just to get a rough texture going on. Right. That, um, and that's how I invented the texturizing. It was a brave move, and I had a brave model sitting underneath me, but uh, you know. Sometimes there is no gain without risk. Right, right, right. No, that, that's, a, that's pretty amazing. You set out to do a good haircut by doing a bad haircut. And I didn't know, yep. you, I didn't know you did the texture. Because uh, I, I remember that. Uh, that, I remember too, was Scott, uh, he was uh, cutting, you know, internal cutting, as he called it. You know, and he was going into the hair and then sliding the scissors. Mm -hmm. Doing that it was it was an amazing time because uh, we were deconstructing hair. Yeah. Uh, sounds good. That too, it's, it's phenomenal. I forgot about that. I forgot. I forgot that was a that was an amazing time in hair as well. I mean, it's just phenomenal. That, uh, but uh, 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 anyways, so, so tell us about. Uh, I love getting lost in these stories. By the way, thank you so much. Uh, it just it brings back such great memories, and 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 also just feeling you know uh, reassured feeling about uh, what we're doing as as hairdressers being such an amazing amazing craft and amazing art. Uh, but then, so let's go back to what were you? So after Tony and Guy, you went to John Frieda. And then, so when did you open up your first salon? Because I, uh, one of the things I had heard, uh, which was amazing to me, was that you, you, uh, you, and it seems like it was intentional. I don't think you, you, you kind of happened upon it, but you decided to, uh, and I, uh, the, the, your salon, you decided to put a picture of what your haircut you did, which was, a, which was an amazing, and I remember this as well. I remember seeing this, uh, this cut in Passion, Passion Magazine, which was the wolf. Uh, yeah, and you, put in, you put that in your front window, which yeah. which a statement about who you were and and what, what who you wanted to attract, and that so that was intentional. And where, so where was your first salon, and and how did you how did you come to to that point, and 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 how did you create your brand, and what was the thought behind that, and doing that, and and again carrying those standards forward. Well, um, firstly, um, in '79, my first salon. Um, uh, to this day, I did not put one penny into my business, even to this day. Um, a guy came to me and said, how would you like your own salon? And I was at John Frieda's at the time. And I said, yeah. I said, yeah, I'd like my own salon. I said, 50% and my name above the door. He went, okay, you got it. Now, this salon was in Covent Garden. And Covent Garden today is one of the hotspots of London. But in those... In '79, it was it was desolate. It, it, Twenty people walked past the shop. It was a busy day. Wow! And I put this picture in a window, and people, the twenty people that walked by, they looked at it and thought, "Well, I'm not going to get a No, thank you. Or they came in. But 
the people that were coming in were people like, for example, I don't know if any of your younger members will ever remember these people that I'm going to say, but people like uh, Adam Ant, um, people like Susie and the Banshee, people like Grace Jones, people oh. like Paul McCartney, people like Sting were coming in for their haircut. I was didn't, 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 didn't Annie Lennox used to come in too? Rhythmics? Yeah, 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 I was attracting a new wave of up-and-coming uh, musicians that, that were becoming very big very quickly and wanted a hairdresser that could give them a new identity and um, they came to me. Now, having said that, I wasn't making any money because those people were sort of far between. But uh, gradually, I, I put a more of a... Hello, you, you froze again? Trevor? Robin, I assume you can probably... Something uh, that people go, look at that. That's, that's amazing in that hair. So I've been fortunate to attract that type of thing myself. Was it, was, it, uh, was it during the time uh, your, your salon was a covered garden where you came up with a chop? Because that was, that was the next kind of uh, evolution of yeah. Trevor Sorber, wasn't it? That... Well, I, you know, I called it the chop, but that was texturizing. That was the first haircut that I texturized, like what I just said earlier. I called it the chop, but I should have called it something textured or something, but I called it the chop, but yeah. What was it, I, if I remember correctly, it was, it was a, the picture of a black and white, it was a, right above the jawline or something like that, a really, really textured throughout? Was that, yeah, a, was that it was a, a shot? It was a bob length, but chin length, and it was just rough inside and textured with bits coming down over the face. It was just into like uh, I'd gone berserk. It happened, really I, I, I remember, I remember it distinctly, um, very much so. So, so when he became a salon owner, so this is, this is to come into bringing us kind of the conversation in, into today's world uh, for uh, a lot of salon owners, because, you know, we just gone, going, haven't gone through COVID. Uh, I remember we went to a meeting uh, 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 in a Kafir meeting uh, coming out of COVID. And there was a lot of salons that were really scared still and, and didn't know what they were going to do in the direction they were going to go in and, and so on and so forth. And I, and I, and I believe, uh, you know, the times of adversity bring, uh, bring opportunities, you know, and, and, and the opportunities are, again, go back to, you know, you know, your standards, you said, just like, you know, great investors like Warren Buffett, you know, they say, you know, buy when other people are scared and, and sell when people are greedy. Uh, uh, so with, with taking that kind of philosophy into hairdressing, uh, what, do you, what do you think, being a salon, having been a salon owner um, and, and for so long, uh, being a hairdresser for so long, having uh, uh, so many people that you've mentored, like Vivian McKender and, and Antoinette Beenders and, and uh, 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 Eugene, uh, so what's the difference between, in your mind, what's the difference between a, uh, a hairdresser and a professional in our industry? 
Because I think that goes back to the earlier conversation we had in the first segment where we were talking about um, uh, why we don't get sometimes the respect that we deserve as hairdressers mm -hmm. because we obviously, you know, th there's people making, you know, seven figures in our industry and some people making eight figures in our industry that some people have made nine uh, as hairdressers who, who uh, that's what I meant by it's limitless to what we can do. If we believe in ourselves. So what, what do you think the difference is between a hairdresser and a professional in our industry? Well, firstly, we're all hairdressers, but you divide that up into three pieces. You've got probably 80% of the population are just hairdressers in small salons that run your career servicing the local areas and doing a very, very good job. But there's another percentage of people, another 10% that want to, let's say, go further with their profession. They want to be on platform. They want to make videos. They want to, they want to do their own photographs. They want to be art directors. They're, 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 they're the people that are, are really taking hairdressing on a very serious level. And then there's this other very, very small percent that actually want to be the best of the best. And uh, I've always tried to be one of them. Um, Robin? morning on English television about an artist, a painter. Anyone can draw, anyone can paint. He said, he said, but to be at my level, he said, it's day after day after day after day through your life. And um, it's true. I mean, I ate, sleep, slept, hairdressing. It was the only thing that ever went through my mind. It cost me two marriages. My, my first wife turned around one day to me and said, Trevor, I think you're more in love with your work than me. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. The next day I had two suitcases and I was on the road. Um, I have forfeited a lot to get what I've achieved. Um, and I wouldn't change a thing because I say this, and this is my belief in life. All men, all men will, will die one day, but not all men will live. And that means that you can go along life, you know, every day doing the same sort of thing and just getting by but to achieve your ultimate goal, to have a, had a life that has been totally fulfilled um, and gone beyond your wildest dreams, that's when you've lived your life. And I can't take any money upstairs to my mum and dad, but I can certainly give them, uh, tell them what I've done and they'd be well proud of me. So, um, yeah, it's it's the level of commitment. Level, I think I think it's 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 important what you said, uh, Trevor, about being a level of commitment. I think uh, 
uh, one of the uh, uh, things that creates Why aren't success. You successful. Oops, sorry. Are you prepared? Are you are you prepared when you're feeling down still to give a hundred percent? Are you prepared to work at nights with nobody paying you just so you can better your skills? Are you prepared to you know give up vacations? Are, are you prepared? to do anything and the answer is well yeah i might do it for a week but i'm not going to live my life like that and uh, success is actually in the hands of anyone that really wants it enough you ask any top person be an athlete be a, 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 a artist be a, um, a composer of music any any art form they they don't just you know uh, you know, to run the fastest thing in a hundred meters, you don't just get up one day and do that world record or swim that world record. You're in there every day, you're running, you're, you're working on yourself, you're eating the right stuff, you're living very healthily and you're committed to that world record. And there's no easy way, but that's what it takes. And in my job, my profession, it's exactly the same, exactly. Yeah, you know, I uh, one one gal that works for me said one one day said we were talking about exactly what we just talked about at a meeting, uh, and she said that uh, commitment is like being pregnant. You either are or you're not. Uh, there is no in between. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so and I th yeah, it's it is it stuck with me ever since because it's true. It's like if it, most people, it's like they, it's it's. I don't think, and you're right. They don't really, they don't really look at people like yourself and Anthony Moscolo and, and that you trained, and and Angela Simisari, which you trained, and Eugene Salamina, which you trained, and 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 Vivian McKenna, which you trained, and and they don't look at these people and realize. I mean, I I know I've, I've been at the Vivian's house, met her husband, and you know we spent a couple of years uh, just talking about different things and the possibility of potentially working together and. And, uh, and she, she, she is that person. I mean, she, she eats it, drink, sleeps it, drinks it, and passionate about it to this day. And that's why I think she's won uh, so many of these North American uh, hairdressing awards. Uh, I think that's one reason you, uh, you've won uh, a British hairdressing award four times. Uh, it's, it's, but what, no, I mean, I, and I know that we spent a lot of time in London, how prestigious that is to win that award, because so many people try to win that award. Uh, that I know of, and uh, you've done it four times, and and, and the work you've done there. But it doesn't just happen. It's like you said. It's 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 a. It, they look at these athletes and these stars or whatever it is, and, and they think you know overnight it happens, and it doesn't. It's a co real commitment to live in a certain way, thinking a certain way, breathing a certain way, being a certain way in general. And and I think, uh, and and you've shown that way, and and uh, that's one of the one of the things that I, I respect about you most, and why. Uh, when we came to London and, and, and shot you for that project we're working on and, and that I'm grateful that you chose to take time to do is one. It's, it's like, because it's the standards that, that and the commitment that uh, I think needs to be talked about more in our industry by people like you and, 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 uh, and then passing, passing those standards forward uh, so that people understand and, and the commitment to, to, to that you've upheld. Uh, so, uh, I mean, thank you uh, so much for everything that you've done for this industry, because I, I know I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it, if it weren't have been for you, if it were not have been for Vidal, if it not have been for, you know, a lot of these people, Gene Juarez, I, would, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today and be successful at it. So I, I thank you uh, for doing that. And uh, 
thank you for taking the time to, to spend and thank you for taking the time to share today. Uh, uh, from the bottom of my heart, it means so much. And I hope everybody uh, you know, gets as much out of it as, as uh, I've gotten out of it. Uh, is there anything in closing that we haven't talked about or said uh, that you can add uh, to this? Uh, you talked about who you're a hair hero and I think we've, we've uh, understand why you've become truly successful. Um, but let's say, I mean, I, it's, it's like I asked my father, you know, before he was dying, what was the one thing is, and uh, I think you and I talked when we were talking about before doing this interview, and I said, uh, and, I, and I, I think I said to you, I said this to my mentor, and I said, how many more Mondays do we have left, or Tuesdays, or Fridays, or Saturdays? Uh, you know, let's let's use these this time to to give as much back as we can. So, in in the in closing, um, what would you tell hairdressers today, if you had to tell them anything to help them kind of? To, to guide them through those trials and turbulations and everything they go through and understand that it doesn't just happen overnight. What, what's that nugget of gold that you could pass on? Well, I mean, there's no big secret to being better than you were the, next, the, the, the day before. It, it's all about if you want to better yourself, then you actually have to look in the mirror and be a bit honest with yourself and say, Am I actually giving 100% of me to my clients? Because if you give 100% to every client, you're going to have a big clientele. But, you know, you start taking shortcuts or not treating people in the right way. And that's just as important. The way you treat people, um, treat a client like she's the only person on this earth. When I go to a doctor, as I have done recently in, in the last couple of years, I, I feel like I'm the only patient that they've, they've seen that day. They're caring. And that caringness goes a long, long way. So caring and trying 100% on every haircut. And even if you've done that lady's hair a thousand times, give her the that hundred percent, they'll feel it. They will feel it through your, 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 your body language, through the way you're looking after them. They, they'll sense that you're giving so much of yourself and you can't go wrong if you stick with that kind of way of thinking. You can't go wrong. I think it was that I heard one time, it's not what you say that they remember, it's how you make them feel, right? It's, it's uh, at the end yeah. of the day, I think that's as hair, hair, salon owners and hairdressers that's what we're really selling is is a feeling you know through the haircut we do and the work we do is is how we make someone feel yeah it, it, you know it's, it may be about your hands but it's it's very much about yourself as well and uh i think service um it's it's what separates people. It's very simple. It really is. I don't think there's any big secret to, and we all know it, but we don't practice it. Right. Well, not all of us anyway. Right. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Trevor, so much. Time being the most valuable commodity anybody has, you thank you for the time that you've taken today uh, to share with thank us. You. And, uh, and I hope everybody enjoys listening to you and I hope everybody researches you out further and the people that you've, you've uh, impacted and uh, I being one of them. So I, I'm grateful, thank you. Well, uh, thank you for inviting me for this conversation. I've enjoyed it. I feel very privileged that you've picked me to try and spread some wisdom to our younger members. And uh, 
hopefully they can pick up on some of it. Um, I've said nothing that wouldn't enhance their careers. And uh, I think you're, to listen to somebody that has not only been where they are, but where I am now, um, I'm, all I'm doing is showing the light. <laughs> they have to follow it. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank All right, you. Robin and Sheila. Much. Thank you, Robin and Sheila, for uh, perfect. For that was perfect. Thank y'all. All right. Have a wonderful day, Trevor. And thank, thank you, you Roger. Same to you. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Thank you for joining us for the ICA Podcast 9 podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for more industry insight and information. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast too and share it with your friends in the industry. Our only goal is to bring people together and share information with those that need it. Intercoiffure America Canada is proud to be the voice for salon owners. For more information about us, visit intercoiffure.com. That's intercoiffure.com.